At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Football Full Circle with Scott Wetzel and Ben Stevens. We are live right here on Football Full Circle. It's the middle of a week. It is game day eve for the start of week number three of the 2023 National Football League regular season. He is Scott Wetzel. I am Ben Stevens. You're listening to FFC Live right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. And Scott, we start with a little bit of breaking news. Within the last hour, the Cleveland Browns have made it official. Kareem Hunt visited the Browns facility yesterday. Of course, he knows Cleveland very well, having spent the past four NFL seasons in the land. And now with the absence of Nick Chubb for the remainder of this season, Scott, Kareem Hunt has signed a one-year deal worth around $4 million to go back to Cleveland and fill in that running back room with the Browns. Kind of interesting why he left, right? Um, you know, you figured Jerome Ford was, was going to be the guy that was going to replace Hunt. And to me, Ben, he looked great the other night. I mean, I, I don't know why you'd want to bring in a guy who complained about the lack of playing time. Or you're going to you know, go back to him. But I guess it makes the most sense as far as him knowing the system and everything else and the players. And he can't be, I suppose, that bad of a guy, at least not on a football field. So uh, it, it'll certainly help. No one's going to replace Nick Shaw. But uh, Hunt is, is a pretty good football player. So that backfield, him and Ford, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Jerome Ford, who has been in the NFL now for two years out of Cincinnati, looked great on Monday night in relief duty, of course, for Nick Chubb. Over 100 yards, had 25 receiving yards as well, and a receiving score. All indications, Scott, out of Cleveland is that Jerome Ford, the young second-year pro, is going to continue to lead the backfield. We'll see what that means for the role on offense for Kareem Hunt. That's a very interesting indication. Indication, Scott, like you mentioned, Kareem Hunt was a free agent throughout this offseason. We thought somebody would give him a call, sign him to a roster, depending on if the financials made sense for a veteran running back. Nobody really did. Apparently, there was interest out there, Scott, but he finds his way back to Cleveland. We welcome in our Sirius XM audience here on Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. It's football full circle. He's Scott Wetzel. I am Ben Stevens. Scott, I think it will be 
be fascinating to follow this Cleveland team, right? We reacted to all that we saw in the doubleheader on Monday. You and I both gave our assessment of where this Browns team now goes from here offensively and overall with their outlook in 2023. Scott, for me, you lose a running back, you can fill him in with a good young promising player in Jerome Ford, adding in some veteran help, right? But Nick Chubb is so integral to everything Cleveland wants to do offensively, certainly this year. And we saw that on full display in the first game and a half for them, Scott. 18 carries, 106 yards for Chubb in the opener against the Bengals. They were dominant on the ground. The defense went to work. Picture perfect for Cleveland with a 24-3 to win. And then, Scott, on Monday night, Nick Chubb had 10 carries for 64 yards in about a quarter and a half. Well on his way to over 100 again. And well on Cleveland's way then to solidifying their second win in division to start off 2023. It's a reassessment now, Scott, where even though you add Kareem Hunt and his familiarity with this Browns organization, I still do think there is a drop-off that now reassesses things for the Browns the rest of the way. Oh, absolutely. And if this wasn't Deshaun Watson's team before this injury, it certainly, I mean, absolutely is now. I mean, you could always say, and I think most Brown fans, and I know a lot of them, you know, they, they always said the same thing over the last couple of years. Boy, why don't we give the ball more to Chubb? Why don't we, you know, why is he only getting 18 carries a game? He should be getting 25 to 30, right? So obviously that's not part of the equation. And now it just falls on Deshaun Watson's lap even more. You, you bring back, uh, you know, uh, a, a number of running backs here that will help situation um, but ultimately it's going to now really fall in Watson's lap can he throw the football can he lead not even necessarily throw but scramble do everything be the leader that they brought him in paid him all this money guaranteed all this money um, can he step up because if not no matter what the situation is it's going to be blamed on Deshaun Watson and then yep. probably rightfully so to tell you the truth yeah, I mean, you know, that is the burden of the NFL quarterback, right? That's the burden right. of Deshaun Watson, a five-year deal, $230 million all fully guaranteed. You are expected to be not good, but great. Not just win a couple of games, but be at least a postseason team, if not contending for a conference championship. And Scott, Deshaun Watson has not been great. Deshaun Watson has not been good. Deshaun Watson has barely been mediocre or average if you look at his stats 55.1 percent the completion percentage this year through two weeks last year in the six game sample size after serving the 11 game suspension for multiple violations of the nfl's personal conduct policy a 58 percent completion percentage average virtually a buck 85 through the air seven touchdowns to five interceptions he has thrown a pick in each of the opening two games this year for cleveland of course he fumbled the football twice on monday night in the loss to the steelers he needs to be so much better if Cleveland is going to sustain any level of success Scott we thought they were going to have entering this year or they put on display following week number one in Cincy yeah which organization Ben a little little uh, pop quiz here which organization do you think is saying oh my god what did we do more the hmm. Cleveland Browns with the Sean Watson or the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson oof Ah, oh, what a great question. Um, oh, they both gave up a King's ransom. They gave six yep. picks up to the Houston Texans, including three first-rounders for Watson. Of course, a lot of trade capital back to Seattle for Russell Wilson, including a couple of first-rounders. Oh, you know, Scott, I think they're probably in a very similar situation. <laughs> uh, Cleveland, at least, has given you some reason of hope, right? 
and everything that right. they have had this year. Yes, it's going to look different now without Nick Chubb, but the defense has been great. And yeah, there's a little bit more optimism this year, I would guess, although I do really think it takes a back seat now losing Nick Chubb. Scott, there is nothing the Denver Broncos have shown over the past year plus now, 18, or excuse me, 19 games to give you any level of even remote confidence or optimism. And I think the Denver Broncos even took it a step further by trading more draft assets to New Orleans so they could negotiate a deal with Sean Payton to bring him out of retirement because he still had a contract with the New Orleans Saints. They have been fully invested in two of what? The biggest names gone at the respective positions. Quarterback, head coach in the last decade in the National Football League. So many resources, so many financial uh, guarantees as a part of this to be a team that was 5-12 and last year and is so far 0-2, winless at home in both of their opening two games, booked as at least a field goal favorite in either of those two. Scott, I think it has to be the Denver Broncos and... You know, it's not easy for either of these teams if things do really go amiss with Deshaun Watson this year in Cleveland or Russell Wilson again in Denver to get out of these large contracts. You're going to take on a huge cap and financial hit. But yeah, I think Denver probably feels as though they're in a worse spot at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's close, but you're right. Yeah. You know, you throw in the Sean Payton investment and all the money that they gave him and the draft choices to get him and then obviously getting Russell Wilson and the contract extension they gave him. Yeah, but by, by a nose, uh, you know, a little horse racing term. I think it's the yeah. Denver Broncos, too. Yeah. By a nose to finish 19th and 20th in the Kentucky Derby. You know, we're not talking yeah. first and second here, unfortunately. More on football full circle. Up next, we'll continue to look around the National Football League. The news and notes you need to know next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Football Full Circle with Scott Wetzel and Ben Stevens. We are live right here on FFC. It is Football Full Circle. All right, Scott, some more news and notes around the National Football League. Speaking of the running back position and a team we saw as a part of the doubleheader on Monday Night Football to end out week number two. Head coach in the Big Easy, Dennis Allen, saying Jamal Williams acquired this offseason. Last year led the National Football league in rushing touchdowns 18 of those big ones with the Detroit Lions is going to miss some time that's all he had to say some time due to a hamstring injury of course Scott the Saints are still a week away from getting Alvin Kamara back from the three-game suspension he is serving due to violations of the NFL's personal conduct policy but with the negativity around the running back room in New Orleans some positivity Kendra Miller who was the lead back and sensation last year, Scott, for the national runner-ups in TCU in college, who has missed the first two games, is set to be a full go and ready to get back out there for New Orleans week number three. That should help ease some of the pain until Jamal Williams comes back and, of course, Alvin Kamara's three-game suspension comes to a close as well, Scott. 
Yeah. Leonard Fournette's still out there. I wonder why. You know, I wonder if the Browns approached him or the Saints approached him. Is he asking for too much money? He does seem to have some shelf life left. You know, I don't think he's going to run for 1,000 yards anymore, but as a fill-in, little gap into, for Kamara to come back and then to be the man yeah. that's going to pound the rock, you know, down at the goal line, fourth and one, third and one situation. Um, little surprised that he hasn't gotten any buzz, Ben, but uh, I guess these guys are all, like we said, over and over again. Running backs, time a dozen. Has got to be someone on the practice squad, someone that's on the bench that uh, you know can fill in. And, uh, you know, why bring a stranger in, I suppose? Yeah, you know, and we'll see what happens necessarily with New Orleans. I think they'll get that spark offensively, Scott, from having Alvin Kamara back. Of course, he's one of the most versatile offensive pieces in the National Football League. It will be, see, it will be fun to see what Derek Carr does with Alvin Kamara at his disposal because the defense, Scott, has been the way for New Orleans here to start off a perfect 2-0, and holding Tennessee to 15 points, Carolina to 17, but 11 of those late in the fourth quarter, including a final touchdown and a two-point conversion in the last two minutes when the Saints were up by double digits. Now, I think it's interesting, Scott, the two teams that we referenced here, Cleveland and New Orleans, intriguing games as a part of the Sunday slate, week number three. The Browns back at home in Cleveland, a three-point favorite against the Titans. Scott, I don't think this is scientific by any means, but I swear to you, every time the Titans play in an NFL game during the regular season, the spread is three, either in their favor <laughs> or against them as the underdog. Every time I look at the Titans, it's a three-point spread. At least that's been the case this year. A three-point underdog in New Orleans in the opener. Two and a half, three points, depending on when you got the number last week at home as the underdog against the L.A. Chargers. Here they are again, Scott, on that key number of three as the dog in Cleveland. Yeah, right. They got a good, it's the perfect mix. They got a good defense. They have a, co a coach who wants to go conservative, and their offense is, is based on running the football, right? So you're going to get in a lot of close games with this club, whether it's home and on the road. And they, they've shown that they're, you know, even almost better on the road than they are at home. So they play in a lot of field goal games, uh, which is probably they went out and, and, and traded for a field goal kicker. So, yeah, it, it is seem like, you know, they don't blow teams out and they don't get blown out. It is kind of weird. You're right about yep. that. I have to go back and check. And see how many, you know, plus three, minus threes Tennessee has played in over the last, uh, forget what the final score was, but just what the point spread was over the last yeah. couple of years. You're right, it's been a lot. The Titans now a perfect 2-0 against the spread. Of course, winning outright in overtime against the Chargers week number two, losing by only a point in New Orleans in an ugly football game that was 16-15. and 15. Scott, since the start of last year, Tennessee has also been pretty good against the spread. 11-7-1, tied for the sixth best cover percentage in the National Football League in that span. The Saints in an intriguing spot, Scott, for their week three game back in Lambeau. The Packers getting ready to be home for the first time this year. Green Bay a two-point favorite. The over-under 42 and a half. The Saints an underdog for the first time this year. Scott, it's a really tight number here. I think one of the tightest that we have as a part of the week three slate. The only one that I see that's a little bit less than that at this moment as you look at where these games are is the Vikings and the Chargers in Minneapolis on Sunday, a part of that early window as well. Scott, the Saints a perfect 2-0. Green Bay was up by multiple scores in the fourth quarter on their way to going 2-0 before Atlanta stormed back furiously in that final stanza. Scott, what do you make of this matchup between the Packers and the Saints? 
Yeah, it's, it's funny, but I don't know how it is for you. But when I look at the lines originally, whether it's Sunday night or Monday, I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't see anything. Boy, these games are tough, right? Then I'll look at them yeah. again on Tuesday. I'm like, well, okay, I, I kind of like this. And as the week progresses, I end up liking more and more. And, and this is one of those that kind of stood out where originally I was like, okay, whatever. Um, this and the Detroit game, which I'm sure we'll get to here in a second. But it's a tough spot for the Saints, right? I mean, if you would have told them before the season began, with the Kamara three-game suspension that you could be two and one. I think most Saints fans would have said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll take that. That's not that bad. So they got a chance to improve on that, but they, play, they played on the um, they played a short week and they played on the road Monday night. And now they're going, again, short week on the road the following Sunday. This is one of those NFL quirks with all the multi-billion dollars that they have that, you know, I don't know why you have to have that. That's a real tough spot. You know, Green Bay showed some promise. I love what I've seen out of Jordan Love, right? Um, I, I don't know how you don't like Green Bay laying the two in, in this game. The more and more I think about it. Yeah, you know, I think it was a weird inability for the Packers to close out that victory. You wonder what would happen if Aaron Jones was healthy, still listed as questionable for this upcoming Sunday back in Lambeau. But Jordan Love, Scott, has looked really, really good so far. We're not going to go as far as to forecast his entire future as the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Three decades of quarterback consistency for this Packers franchise. But at least so far, Scott, clean football, six touchdown passes, to zero interceptions 15 of 27 for 245 in the opener in Chicago not nearly as prolific only 14 of 25 for a buck 51 against the Atlanta Falcons but he's had 12 rushing yards in the opener against the Bears 23 rushing yards against the Falcons on limited carries he's played pretty good football Scott he's certainly not the reason the Packers lost that football game despite a weird inability to try to run a QB sneak late where it looked like he had one too many beers, but that was a weird, weird play. <laughs> Scott, he's been pretty good so far this year. I think there should be some confidence if you are a Packers fan or backer in Jordan Love kind of steadying the ship and leading this team, at least in the early goings of 2023. Yeah, you know, this is a big game for both teams. You know, if you're the Saints, Ben, now listen, you haven't beaten, you know, Kansas City and Buffalo and Cincinnati here. I, I get that. But you have a chance to be 3-0. and You know, again, in a division that we've said many times, things to be mediocre. Got a chance for the Saints to kind of separate yourself from that mediocre pack, right? You go 3-0, and you really start to open up some eyes with two of the games, Carolina last week, and then theoretically it would be this week as well, on the road. That's pretty impressive. You start to like, okay, now you start talking about playoffs and what you can do in the postseason. And then same thing for Green Bay. If they really are going to challenge in that North Division, which I got a feeling is, is going to be closer to 500 for the eventual champ when everything is said and done, but you, you got to win these games. You know, first home game, Saints team, winnable game if you really want to be taken seriously versus just okay it's a growing year which is not the worst thing in the world with Jordan Love but you have to find a way to win this one nice road win game number one you blew game number two 12 point lead in the fourth quarter you got to close those deals out but you didn't you got to respond yeah. this week and win a home game against the content you know against a team that you know you have a chance to win yeah, 
Absolutely so. They are favored. It's a short spread. It's only two points, but they are favorites. Got injury news around the National Football League. You alluded to it. We'll touch on it on the other side of the break here as we're coming up on the commercial. But the Detroit Lions, a favorite at home on Sunday against those Falcons. The Detroit Lions, still the favorites in the NFC North. The Detroit Lions, near a $2 favorite to make the playoffs for the first time in more than a half decade. Dealt a huge injury blow and losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson for what might be the foreseeable future. We'll break it down up next year on Football Full Circle. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Football Full Circle with Scott Wetzel and Ben Stevens. We are back live right here on FFC. Scott, we talked about the significant injury news leading up to the break for the Detroit Lions. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, one of the best defensive back safeties in the National Football League over the past few seasons, acquired this offseason from Philadelphia by Detroit. C.J. Gardner-Johnson has a torn pec muscle, Scott, and is expected to miss a considerable amount of time this year. It might be the entirety of 2023. Scott, that is a huge blow for a Lions defense that has still struggled early on here in the opening two games of the year. Yes, only allowed 20 points against Kansas City, but that was without Travis Kelsey. And then last week, Seattle came back in a big way in the second half. 24 points scored by the Seahawks, Scott, to force extra time. And of course, Seattle won that game in OT 37-31. It's a big week, Scott, in the Motor City. Detroit lost its home opener, a game they probably look back on and think we should have been able to hold on and close that out. They host the Falcons this week in Detroit. The Lions a three and a half point favorite. The Falcons a perfect two and oh this year. Scott, both teams now near a $2 minus money price to be playoff teams in the NFC this season. How important is this game, Scott, on Sunday in Detroit? This is big, right? This is one of those games that maybe at the end of the year, wild card tiebreaker, head-to-head, first one, and you know the winner here obviously would have the advantage. I think Atlanta's record in uh, plus two to one is, is based on their schedule, whereas I think Detroit's is based on you know their team and how good it really, really can be. Uh, you know, Detroit lost the trend game last week, right? So you throw these trends out the window if you want to, because Seattle was one and nine against the spread their last eight games, and Detroit was ten and one. But we all know what happened. But that said, Detroit still 10 and 2 against the spread. Uh, their last 12 games overall, 11 and 3 against the spread. Last 14 games at home. Falcons, meanwhile, awful on the road. Six straight losses, two and nine straight up. Their last 11 games. Uh, they're only six and 22. Ben, that's the key stat. I, you know, some of these stats are like eh, whatever. Some of these are like yeah. kind of jump off the page for me. I like knowing teams' records as underdogs. Shows you, you know, that, do they have the ability to rise up every once in a while? Falcons over the years, 6-22 and 22 as an underdog. So everything to me, again, like last week, you know, points to Detroit. And if, if Detroit, again, is going to be taken seriously, all the preseason hype, you got to beat the Falcons at home, especially after you lost to Seattle the week before. You, you just, you know... This is kind of like, is it going to be same old Lions to me? And, you, know, you hate to throw it out to one game, but if you're not going to be able to win one out of Seattle and Atlanta at home, 
Uh, then it's just the same old Lions. So I like Detroit. I, I, I liked it when it was three. It opened up at three. It's, it's up to three and a half. And I think I gave you the reasons why with all these trends favoring yeah. Detroit. I do like the Lions though, to win the game and find a way to cover the spread as well. Yeah, me as well, Scott. Again, Detroit has only been booked as an underdog six times now in the 36 games now entering year number three under Dan Campbell. They did not cover, and they lost outright last week, of course, against the Seahawks in overtime with a three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half point spread in their favor in the home opener in the Motor City. The Lions three-and-three three against the spread, Scott, for a team that as an underdog has been wildly prolific, 19-9 ATS, but as we have said multiple time Scott the Lions are not going to be an underdog much more this year if ever maybe in a couple of big games against some of the best teams in the NFC or in the other conference depending on how the schedule shakes out but you'd have to think at least double digit time Scott for a team that is still at this moment favored to win the NFC North that gap is not nearly as wide as it was to start the year when it was over about a dollar now it's less than a dollar plus 115 for Detroit plus 195 for Green Bay Scott let's go to another NFC North team the Minnesota Vikings winless so far this year also 0-2, Scott, notably in one-score games, in which they were a perfect 11-0 last year, 13 of their, or 11 of their 13 wins coming in games decided by a single score. They're taking on another winless team, rather, rather surprisingly, Scott, in week number three. It's that very short spread I mentioned. Technically, the Vikings are a favorite, minus 110 on the money line, but it's minus 106 for the L.A. Chargers, also a winless 0-2 to start this year. Scott, who gets their first win of the season week number three in Minneapolis? I'm going to go Chargers just because I thought before the season began they were the better team. And while I could see Minnesota in the NFC making the play playoffs after starting 0-3, I don't see it for the Chargers. You start 0-3 in the AFC, knowing you have Kansas City on your schedule a couple of times well, it's still, and in all the other teams that they play, boy, that's, you know, it's only week three, but I can't help but think the Chargers season is on the line here. They have just, they have to be able to go to Minnesota and win that game if they're going to be taken seriously. So, I think they are the better team. I'm not in love with uh, the Staley, the head coach. You know, it yeah. might be a season of addition by subtraction if things don't go the right way and he gets fired because I, I think he's a buffoon on the sidelines but yeah. boy I, I can't see LA falling to all I mean I can but I, I'll, right. I'll take the point at little surprise they're getting the point at Ben you know they were favored last week in Tennessee but yeah. they're not going to be favored against Minnesota you know that that uh, you know maybe the boys in Vegas are jumping off the Chargers bandwagon here yeah, I mean, Scott, listen, there's a few teams that we thought might be winless after two weeks. The Texans, right, it's going to be a growing season for C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, two rookies in their respective spots, quarterback and head coach, to figure things out. I think it makes sense, although I didn't anticipate the Bears to start 0-2 this year, but hey, they're a team that's lost 12 straight games. They had the worst record in the National Football League last year. Same with Carolina, right, a rookie quarterback in Bryce Young still taking those lumps, and the Cardinals, despite covering in both of their opening two losses. Scott was expected to be the worst team in the National Football League, but others wildly unexpected. New England had a tough start to the year. Miami and Philadelphia, albeit at home. So, okay, the Patriots are 0-2. Maybe it's not shocking to see the Pats there, but still, New England 0-2 for the first time since the early 2000s. The Chargers 
Raiders 0-2. The Broncos stunk last year, but not expected to be 0-2 this season. And probably most notably, Scott, it's the Bengals at 0-2, two losses in the division, and a 13-win football team last year for Minnesota. Yes, the Vikings were on the road in Philadelphia on a short week Thursday night. I get it, but they were a five-and-a-half-point favorite in their opener at home against Baker Mayfield's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are also surprisingly a perfect 2-0. and Scott, since 2002, 99 NFL teams have started 0-3. Just one of those teams, the 2018. Texans made it to the playoffs. So there are some spots this week. Somebody's got in the matchup between Los Angeles and Minnesota is going to start 0-3 unless, of course, there is a tie. But somebody is more than likely going to start 0-3, Scott, making their path to be a playoff team once again to go back-to-back to the postseason. Seemingly incredibly dreadful and miserable to try to get to that point. Yeah. yeah, the only thing with that is you have one extra game and you have more playoff spots. So that, that you know, helps your situation. But 0-3 is, is, you know, like I said, especially the AFC, you're almost doomed at 0-3. Maybe in the NFC you can rally a little bit and get back into the playoff, particularly as a wild card. Um, but to me, it's the Chargers. That, that's the one, you know. And I'll even throw you who the next Charger head coach might be because he might be on the sidelines because it hasn't necessarily there, yeah. been the – yeah, right. So that hasn't been the offense. That that hasn't been the issue. They got 58 points in two games. They 29 points a game, but they give it up 63. And uh, don't forget, Kellen Moore is now the offensive coordinator. Came over from Dallas. Was actually fired by Dallas, but you know there was a lot of talk about him getting a head coaching job somewhere along the line. And uh, he gets hired by you know the Chargers. And I I could see that. You know they open up one and four, one and five. With all the issues that they've had on that sidelines uh, with, with Brandon Staley, I you know I could definitely see him being bumped up. I, I can, but I think the Chargers are the more desperate team. I think they're the more you know realistic playoff hopes. So I'm gonna go give me LA. I'll play sucker and I'll grab the point and a half. Yeah. I mean, Scott, there's always optimism for Los Angeles, right? There has been under Brandon Staley in all three off-seasons leading into his now three years as the head coach in L.A. And there's always optimism because of the immense talent that is your quarterback in Justin Herbert. I mean, historic marks to start off his first three years. More than 4,300 passing yards in each of his first three seasons. 14,089 in total after three years. The most in NFL history. That is what Justin Herbert has done. The thing he has has not done. He has not led his team to any significant wins during his times in terms of playoff success. Of course, it was the Jacksonville game last year, Scott, that make sure if you're ever in a Chargers press conference, you do not bring up around Brandon Staley. That really grinds <laughs> his gears. But there is something to the effect of the Chargers finding a way to Charger. They have had a fourth quarter lead, Scott, in each of their first two games. They lost to the Dolphins, lost in overtime to the Titans. Yes, LA was the team that needed a late field goal to force that extra session after Tennessee had taken the lead back but still a fourth quarter lead that they squandered and gave up once again I don't think Scott Brandon Staley is going to be fired after week three if the Chargers start 0-3 but I think that seat gets incredibly incredibly hot 
Scott, we see it in college football a good amount. A little bit less in the NFL, but still in the NFL, but certainly in college football. You'll see a coach that was buzzworthy and notable get hired somewhere, and they have a little bit longer of a contract, maybe a little bit more time to bring back a program, to build a program back. And if they struggle in their first few years, they make a splashy coordinator change, a immense change to their coaching staff to try to change things. If it doesn't work, that head coach is gone, and so is a lot of the staff. But, Scott, I think you're right. Brandon Staley naming Kellen Moore the offensive coordinator this year, the guy that was finally going to take off all of the constraints on Justin Herbert. It hasn't happened so far, an 0-2 record for L.A. More updates around the NFL next on Football Full Circle. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Football Full Circle with Scott Wetzel and Ben Stevens. We are back live right here on FFC. Scott, again, some injury updates. It is that time of the year in the National Football League. Each and every midweek practice report is going to be filled with some updates, Scott's on some guys that we look forward to seeing out there each and every weekend in the National Football League. A few more updates for you, Scott. We focused on the running back position. Well, the Ravens need some running back depth. According to reports, Kenyon Drake, who was with the Ravens last season, had over 550 yards and five scores is on his way to Baltimore. We mentioned the Detroit Lions. They have now had C.J. Gardner-Johnson on IR. There is a thought he might be out the entirety of this season. Amon Ross St. Brown, Scott, dealing with turf toe, is set to be day-to-day, but will not practice on this Wednesday for the Lions. We broke down a crucial matchup in Detroit on Sunday for the Lions against the Falcons. Scott, we were talking about some NFC North teams, right? They're off to an O in to start well one of them is the Minnesota Vikings they host the Chicago or excuse me they host the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday as an ever so slight favorite one of those teams is going to start 0 and 3 the other one Scott Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears they are entering this Sunday Scott a 12 and a half point underdog on the road in Kansas City. It is tied for the longest, uh, largest spread of the weekend. The Dallas Cowboys also a 12 and a half point favorite, albeit on the road in the desert in Arizona against the Cardinals. Scott, the Bears have lost 12 straight games dating back to last year. All 12 of those losses has seen Chicago's opponent put up at least 25 points. And Scott, you know me, I've been a real believer in Justin fields i think it's time to maybe reevaluate where things stand for fields as the face of the franchise in chicago because scott it has not been good it has not been good at all there are no words you can use to sugarcoat it or try to fluff up this situation it's been really bad in chicago to start this year and now the bears are nearly a two touchdown underdog in an nfl game scott against kc how bad might things get for the bears this season 
It might get bad. Listen, people forget because they didn't uh, use the first overall pick. They traded it to, to Carolina, but they had the worst record in the NFL last yeah. year when you add it all up in tiebreakers and this, that, what have you. Um, I just don't see it. You know, we, we heard the promo there with uh, uh, with the guys talking on the nighttime show, uh, Mikey and, and Joe. And yeah. the record stand for, you know, he hasn't won and he, he hasn't thrown. You know, you can lose, but still throw for 250 yards, 300 yards, like uh, some of these new guys this year have done, right? C.J. Stroud had statistically a terrific game. You know, Anthony Richardson, before he went out with a concussion, ran for a couple of touchdowns. You, you have to show a little something, and you don't see it. And not only that, Ben, if, if you watch Bears games, he is in game so many times last year. I swear, there had to have been at least four or five times last year, because I remember pointing it out. He had the football at the end of the game with a chance to either tie the game for the Bears, send it to overtime, or actually win the game for the Bears. And he doesn't get it done. Blame others if you want, but ultimately it's on the quarterback. He does not. And then last week, same thing. You know, they end up losing by 10. You think, okay, whatever. But no, that was a three-point game, and the Bears had the ball, albeit at their own five-yard line with a couple of minutes left. You had a chance to move down the field, only needing the field goal, and he throws in just a horrific, horrific pick six that he thrown into the offensive line. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. He just doesn't, you know, when crunch time comes, he's not gotten it done, and he hasn't gotten it done the other times. He's got to get yeah. a lot of coaches fired because he can scramble then and then make all these highlight reel films, and you look at him and think, wow, this guy's great, great, you know? But he can't throw the football, um, and he's not Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar somehow or another has been able to be successful without really being a great thrower, but he's got wins, he's gotten the job done, whereas Justin Fields yeah. just simply is not. Listen, Lamar doesn't put up the huge statistical numbers of a Patrick Mahomes or a Tua Tungabailoa or a Justin Herbert in terms of passing yards, but efficiency, Scott, making the right decisions, right. that is what Lamar Jackson does with the best of them in the National Football League. But Justin Fields has not been efficient. Justin Fields has made some decisions over the past few weeks that leaves you kind of scratching your head, right? The knock on Fields, or at least the knock on the situation in Chicago around Justin Fields the last few years Scott has been hey you don't have any talent around him the offensive line is terrible he was sacked 55 times a season ago tied for the most in the NFL this year Scott there is more talent there is it the most talented offensive unit outside of the quarterback no by, by no means but there is certainly talent there they invested in the offensive line in that first round with their first pick they moved back in the trade with the Panthers for and at this moment Scott it just hasn't panned out. And again, some of those decisions that Fields has made really leave you scratching your head. Now, I have bet Justin Fields to go over his passing yards prop that I think has been criminally low in each of the first two weeks. And he's made me money in each of the first two weeks. It was 178.5 against Green Bay. He threw for 216. It was 169 in a hook against Tampa Bay. He threw for 211. And again, Scott, these are not crazy numbers by any means, right. but maybe that odds X expectation is a detriment to what Justin Fields is doing in this system. I have a lot of questions about Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator in the Windy City, if he's really designing a scheme that benefits Fields. But outside of that, Scott, sometimes just the situation, the marriage between an organization and a player doesn't work out for whatever reason. I think we're trending that way in Chicago. And Scott, as you well know, at the end of this third year, if Justin Fields even remains
remains the starter at the end of 2023 for the Bears. That organization is ultimately going to have to make a decision on his future. Do they want to pick up the fifth-year option? Do they want to let him go entering year number four? It's seeming like, Scott, at this moment, things are turning really downward for Chicago. There is still hope, right? It's early on. It's week number two. But in two, Scott, two spots, Scott, where the Bears could have easily started 2-0, favored at home slightly against the Packers, trying to buck a trend of eight straight losses now that Aaron Rodgers was finally out at home to start the year with some hope and optimism, 38-20, and looked dreadful in doing so. Last week against a Buccaneers team that is now 2-0, Scott, but started 1-0 that I thought was maybe a little bit overhyped in the odds. Chicago on the road in Tampa Bay go out there and win a game you need 27-17 their second consecutive double digit loss to start off this year it doesn't seem good Scott there's not some redeeming quality with Fields or the Bears at the moment that makes you want to latch on and that's why the Chiefs are a 12 and a half point favorite yeah, one and nine. Their last ten road games straight up. They're on a one and nine against the spread run over their last ten overall. Obviously dating back to last year. So that that tells me they're not even really coming close to, to winning these games if they're not covering the spread, right? It is weird still to me, Ben. I, you know, he's gone through a couple different coaches now. So as much as I want to blame the coaches, this is the second regime with him. I don't understand how a guy could be so good in college, right, and be yeah. so bad in the pro. I get it's a different yeah. game. I get it the athletes are faster. I get all that stuff, but he, you know, he's not like you said. He, you know, he's barely thrown for uh, you know 150, 175 yards, uh, and I bet his overseason total. So I'm rooting for the guy. I, I am. Yeah. I don't know. You know, yeah. design. I don't know. Design some screens. You know, throw him some little checkdowns. Design plays where you're not supposed to read the defense before you throw it. Like you make sure that wide receiver is open, then you throw the football. Versus, okay, my wide receiver is going to go 10 yards and cut out, and I'm going to throw him the ball you got to throw the ball before he makes his cut but you know dumb it down for him if you have to do put the guys in a position to be successful I don't know if the Bears are doing that or not but it just seems to me that you ought to be able to throw for 150 yards 200 yards you know in games in which you're you know for the most part losing so you are throwing the yep. ball some you should be able to do that right for a quarterback who was so good in college that's very weird for me to understand yeah, it's got to be such an interesting thing, Scott, for those individuals at whatever position, but quarterback probably most namely, right? In high school, Justin Fields was the guy right behind Trevor Lawrence. Probably playing in a football game on a Friday night in his native Georgia was one of the easiest tasks of his week. Being able to pick apart a defense, run for multiple scores, throw for 300 yards on seven pass attempts and seven touchdowns. Like That's how easy it is for these elite athletes, and as they progress, even in college, Scott, just Justin Fields in 2019 had the best quarterbacking season in the long and illustrious history of the Big Ten Conference. He is the only quarterback ever to throw for 40 or more touchdowns. He had 40 and run for 10 or more. He had 10. And then in 2020, Scott, he set a Sugar Bowl record against Clemson in the college football playoff to allow Ohio State to go to the national championship game. Obviously, they didn't play very well against Alabama, but he threw for 385 yards and six touchdown passes, a Sugar Bowl record against Clemson in the college football playoff in 2020. And at times, it has seemed as though he forgets what position he is playing. 
You see it with a ton of people that have dominated every level of sport they have been at in their athletic careers. But when you get to the top of the top, when you are a starting quarterback in the National Football League, that margin that you once had competitively, that advantage is really no longer there. I, I just don't I just don't understand why exactly this has happened. Sometimes it's situation, right? It's a defensive coach and Matty Iberflus that who knows if Getsy is the right guy, who knows all of the stuff around him, but I just think, Scott, at this moment, things are not working out for Chicago. On the other side, for Kansas City, Scott, a twelve and a half point favorite. The Chiefs the Chiefs haven't looked wildly impressive so far right a loss of the opener albeit without Kelsey and Chris Jones against Detroit they only lost by one I understand they did cover as a three and a half point favorite on the road in Jacksonville against the Jaguars but it was 17 to 9 Scott in a game that featured the highest total of week two at 50 and a half so it hasn't been great yet for Kansas City you would think back home week number three fully healthy for the most part as a nearly two touchdown favorite against the Bears this would be a huge get right spot for Mahomes and KC you would think so right one last thing on field he ran the ball Ben last year last 10 games 10 times or more seven times first two games this year he's yet to run the ball 10 times only four last week against Tampa Bay. It's almost like they're forcing him to throw the ball, whereas I'm thinking, you know what, embrace the fact the guy can run yeah. like a deer. Um, you know, he's a runner. I hate that aspect in the NFL. I love it in college, but I really, I do hate it in the NFL, but if the guy's a runner, then then run him. I, I mean, I, I don't get it. He's running for over 100 yards last year in games, 178, 147, 132. And, and you ran him four times for three yards against Tampa Bay. I don't get it. You know, Kansas yeah. City, it's weird, right? It's the defense that, you know, listen, they, they should have won that game against Detroit. Um, you know, the defense kept them in the game. And the same thing last week, watching a lot of that game. You know, there were ample, ample opportunities to Jacksonville to really put a stranglehold. And that Kansas City defense, you know, really kept them in the game before they finally got a couple of touchdowns on the board. So the offense has been very suspect. We've talked about it. You know, I don't, I hate their wide receiving core. Um, Kelsey came through with the touchdown reception, but I think they're going to struggle all year offensively with those wide receivers. I do. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a playmaker. I saw Carrington Harrison, Scott, who has come on the Sports Grid Network a ton, also does some work for Sirius XM as well. He's a radio host in Kansas City, and he was asked by a listener yesterday, what's your hottest take about this Chiefs team so far? He said Justin Watson is Kansas City's best wide receiver, and I don't know if he's wrong. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is the best pass catcher that Kansas City has, but pure wide receiver... Yeah, there's some issues there maybe for Kansas City, but an opportunity to get right. By the way, Braxton Jones, the starting left tackle for Chicago, now on IR. Things are bad in the Windy City. More FFC up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Football Full Circle with Scott Wetzel and Ben Stevens. 
So, Scott, we were just talking about how things are not good right now for the Chicago Bears. And as we wrapped up this conversation and hit the commercial break, I went to Twitter to check in on what is happening. Dan Weider, a Bears reporter for the Chicago Tribune, had a very interesting thread within the last 20 minutes about a morning of media availability for this Bears organization at the facility. We were talking about the issues with Justin Fields and why things have grown so sour in Chicago. Here's a part of that thread. Justin Fields, this is coming from Dan Widerer. Justin Fields acknowledged he has been playing too robotic, then bit the pin off the grenade and rolled it into the building with his explanation for why he believes it is that way. Quote, coaching, end quote. Scott? Things are even worse for the Bears than we thought they were five minutes ago. <laughs> this is getting really, really bad in the Windy City. What did we just point out, right? What did we say? The guy ran four times, four times against Tampa Bay last week, only nine the week before when it was running for double digits uh, darn near every game, well over 100 yards in, in several games last year. So, But it's one thing for us to say it, Ben. This is sound a little two-faced, but it does. You know, it is another thing when the actual player says it. I mean, you're, you're talking about a third-year player that hasn't had a whole heck of a lot of success here, calling out his coaches. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, things are getting real ugly in Chicago. Real ugly. Yeah. I mean. Listen, right? Like, Scott, you and I can blame Luke Getze. You and I can say that Matt Eberflus being a defensive mind and having the worst scoring defense in the National Football League over the last year plus is the issue. For your starting quarterback in the apparent face of your franchise to say the same things is not exactly <laughs> the best look. I'm not blaming Justin Fields for what he is saying. You might be right. Maybe just yes. saying it out loud. I don't know, Scott. I might lay the 12 and a half with Kansas City, though, until things get figured out. In Chicago. He's Scott Wetzel. I am Ben Stevens. That does it for football full circle live right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. We'll see you tomorrow starting at noon Eastern time. Until then, keep it locked to Sports Grid Radio. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor, you're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.